Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, Commanders fans? Welcome into Believe in Commanders. Thanks for checking us out. It's Brian Murphy, as always, with my guy, Anthony Armstrong. Anthony, how are you doing tonight, sir? Man, I'm feeling good. We got we got a blast from the past. Man who needs no introduction. I'm watching Dave Levman in his little show. My, my next guest needs no introduction. So yeah, I, I'll let you do that part. But that, I just yeah, you know him better than me. <laughs> but I think everybody in the DMV knows him. He's Chris Russell from Team 980 and the Locked On Commanders podcast. We're so glad to have Chris in here tonight. Chris, how are you doing? All right, fellas. Thank you. I uh, appreciate you having me. Good to be with you, uh, Brian. Great to uh, get to uh, you know talk with you and and Anthony, my man, my man, Anthony <laughs> Armstrong. The tables I mean, have turned, haven't they? I, I think every single NFL touchdown my man had, I covered and asked him four thousand ridiculous questions about. And I, I appreciate it. it. I appreciate it. you. you uh, maybe not it. everyone, but many of them. Oh hell, that wasn't but three. I think. Yeah. No, I had more than three. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I, I, hey, listen, I, I remember, right? Green Bay, 2010, oh, yeah. Seattle, yeah. 2011. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I forget the other one. Uh, um, uh, a couple of gifts the Giants. Oh, right, right, right. A couple right, right, of right. the Giants. Yep. One was on 9-11. Yep. Um, oh, that's then, right. Uh, that's right. Yeah, 9-11. Had, right. had a little butterfly after that one. And yeah. The, the other one was, um, it was in at MetLife Field against the Giants. And I I kind of went rogue on a route and I was like, I'm gonna go this way because there's nobody <laughs> over there. And Donovan looked up and he threw, threw me the ball, but we were down by a whole lot. So it was no celebration involved on that touchdown. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I didn't remember that particular one, but I, I, I definitely remember some of them. And, uh, you know, uh, you know what I, I think of you and your family. So uh, I'm glad to be on with you guys. I appreciate you having me. Well, thank, thank you so much for being here. I could sit back and let you guys tell stories all day. I'd be fine with that. So uh, I love this a little mini reunion. I feel like I'm kind of the third wheel here, but I love it. We're obviously all talking about the commanders. Training camp is in full swing. Preseason games are coming up. Uh, Chris, what, what are your thoughts on the commanders? You know, the first time as the commanders this is the first training camp as the commanders. What are you thinking so far? What are your initial thoughts here a couple weeks into what they're doing? Yeah. So for me, it's kind of a little bit of a change, Brian, if I'm going to be honest with you, I've only been out there a couple of times because of my radio schedule going directly at the same time as many, sure. if not all of their practices. So, you know, I've been kind of limited in that regard, but obviously I talk to people and, you know, closely monitor things through social media. And then what I've seen on my own, and I will be at FedEx field this Saturday night uh, for their open fan practice, which, you know, basically is no big deal. And, you know, and then we'll have this, the preseason opener a week from that against Carolina where, you know, I'll be. So I get a little bit more of a taste of them there. But, you know, what I've seen is, you know, and I don't want to overreact is the secondary, the pass defense, which was so beleaguered last year, so butchered because of bad communication and guys not being on the same page and hemorrhaging and giving up big plays, especially in the first six games, they definitely appear more on in sync, uh, more on the same page. They seem feisty. They seem aggressive. They seem loud. They seem proud. They seem 
turnover worthy uh, and excited to be working together in year two, for the most part together outside of guys like Percy Butler uh, and I guess Christian Holmes, the seventh round pick out of Oklahoma State. Um, so they seem to be really, really, really sharp uh, in the first week plus of camp. Now, as a result of that, you know, of course, if they're doing well, right. somebody's got to not be doing so well. And that would, you know, that that would be for the most part, for the most part. I know they've been better the last couple of days, uh, but for the most part, you know, that would probably be Carson Wentz and, the, and, and, you know, really the whole offense, but especially the first team offense. There's been turnovers. There's been, you know, um, I guess poor decisions. There's been holding on to the ball too long, that type of thing. And, you know, Anthony knows timing and rhythm is so important, especially at this time of the year where you're trying, you know, especially being that Carson is new and in a new system and new to these guys and didn't really get to work with Terry and got limited time working with the others. And then you have Curtis Samuel bouncing in and out of, you know, practices injured. Deami Brown missed Wednesday. Uh, so, you know, just getting everybody on the same page mentally and physically is what, you know, this time is all about. And so far it's been a little choppy. Yeah, I, and I can, I can see that when you look at look at the Carson situation, how he gets into the team, he, he is he's learning a new offense. So uh, I was thinking earlier, you generally there's two ways that you look about it as a player. Number one, you have to be able to execute the play as it's drawn, and then on the other side, you got to be able to just play some ball, right? Like I was I was just t- telling you guys earlier, the touchdown what yeah or the touchdown in in New York. I was supposed to sit down on the route and I just went and made it a post and it ended up being a touchdown. Right. Um, I, I remember reading earlier a couple of days ago, I guess Terry was, was matched up on a linebacker in the slot and he ran a corner route, but Carson was the other way. And he, he was a little animated, but he didn't show up as quarterback, but it was kind of like, Hey, if you got this matchup, give me the rock. And I, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for Carson to get to switch off from execute the play to, just get to play ball. Does mm-hmm. that seem fair? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. And, and some of that, and, and Anthony, you, I mean, you tell me, I mean, is just a matter of reps and working together and having almost like, uh, like a separate communication language than just the play and the scheme and the design and what you're supposed to do. You know, sometimes, like you said, uh, I, you know, coaches aren't going to love it unless it works out to be seven. But, you know, sometimes you do have to improvise a little bit on your own. Sometimes you do have to. But but I would also caution this. That seems to be and I don't know what you guys, you know, think about this. Um, that seems to also be where Carson maybe gets a little bit more in trouble than your traditional quarterback that has been here, which has been the more safer conservative, you know, Kirk Cousins, Alex Smith. Colt McCoy, um, you know, guys that play within the system and the structure, Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke, although Taylor's a little bit, little bit more of a wild child, I guess, but mostly they've had structured quarterbacks here. They haven't had guys that kind of, I don't want to say improvise, but, but maybe extend plays or try and do something a little bit out of the box. Like, uh, like Anthony was talking about, and, you know, if again, if it works, it's great, right? Everybody celebrates and everybody's happy. If it winds up what Carson did at the end of the Tennessee regular season game in Indianapolis last year in his own end zone where he flipped, you know, a, a, a interception into the waiting arms of the Titans inside the five-yard line, 
eh, that could be problematic, right? It just kind of depends on how it works out. It, 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 it all sounds like a, a roller coaster with me, and that kind of seems like the Carson Wentz experience. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't like to do predictions number wise, but what, what do you think we should expect from Carson Wentz? Like, what does a good year look like? What, it, what does a positive year look like for Carson Wentz, who obviously we know is on his third team in three years? We know about the warts, mm-hmm. but we have seen so many positive things too. Like, what, what can we expect from this roller coaster, and what does that look like for 2022? I mean, in my eyes. It means playing 17 regular season games, right? And and playing it at a good level. Um, good level does not mean mistake-free, but it means eradicating a lot of the boneheaded mistakes that we've seen. I was just describing one of them, right? And that's not the only one. Uh, not completely collapsing as an offense the final two games, you know, like they did in Indianapolis last year. And, and again, it, I caution, it wasn't just his fault. The defense wasn't very good down the stretch for Indianapolis. The offensive line was really beat up, that type of thing. But, I mean, if you have, like, the last two games this year against, we think, maybe, sort of, kind of, Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns on New Year's Day at FedEx Field, and then the Cowboys in the regular season finale, you can't lose both of them, play poorly, and expect to be, like, you know, the man next year. So that's a big picture. Look, snapshots statistics wise, you know, like to me, there's no reason why he shouldn't be around 4,000 yards, if not over 4,000 yards in a pass friendly league with these weapons and 17 games. Now, again, if we're talking 13 or 14 games, obviously you readjust the prism 27 and seven in terms of touchdowns and interceptions last year. I do, I do, I do touchdown to turnover ratio guys, he had five lost fumbles. So I really look at it as, you know, I think he had one rushing touchdown, 28 touchdowns that he was a part of to 12 turnovers. So that to me is the ratio. If I can get that more than two to one, I guess that's like what, two and a quarter to one, two and a half to one, or almost two and a half to one. If I can do that, then I think, I think that would constitute a good season. Ideally, if I can get him to get me to 30 touchdowns and let's just call it, 12 turnovers, 13 turnovers, I think that would represent along with, you know, being pretty close to 4,000 or maybe over 4,000 playing in 17 games, or maybe it's just 16 games out of the 17, something like that. I think that would represent a really good season as long as, again, they don't collapse those final two games. I do. I I can see that. I think that would bring him back for year two as well. Yeah, I think so too. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at, you know, seven has been his career low um, in interceptions. And I mean, I don't have a problem with a guy making plays. I, I went back and was looking at his most successful years in Philly, just statistically. Um, mm-hmm. and he had a guy by the name of Zach Ertz. He got a lot of looks and was actually one of the lone uh, thousand yard uh, pass catchers for him. Uh, so now with, with the commanders, you don't have a, a veteran there. You got a couple of young guys. Um, what have you seen, heard about Cole Turner? His name's obviously popping up a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. What, what do you see at that tight end position? Well, uh, listen, it, it, I mean, it, it's going to be boosted whenever Logan Thomas comes back fully healthy, and that might be not until – and I, when I say fully healthy, fully back on a regular snap count, all that until midway through the season, somewhere in that range, right? fully 100% and hopefully he hasn't lost anything because he was really developing into a very good tight end. Uh, The young guys, I I mean, I've been impressed. Um, 
you know, when I was watching practice last Saturday uh, out at the facility, you know, and, and Anthony, you know, like there's also, I, I mean, like you, you can judge things pre-pads, you can judge things post-pads, you can dismiss whatever you want, you can throw out good and bad, whatever, but, you know, you see what you see, right? So I'll just tell you what I saw. I saw Cole Turner, 6'7", on the back line of the end zone, in the middle of the end zone, again, back line of the end zone, go up and snatch one that was slightly above his helmet, you know, so maybe just about seven feet or so, maybe a little bit more than that in the air. And that's something that's been missing from this offense, quite honestly, since Jordan Reed was healthy and in his prime. They haven't had a go up and get you one kind of receiver or tight end. Logan Thomas aside, but most of his touchdowns, I don't, I don't know where of that variety in, 20, in his big breakout season, they were a little bit different. Logan was very good, don't get me wrong. Um, but somebody to scrape the back line of the end zone, somebody for a tall quarterback to see, somebody for an, you know, to catch an imperfect pass or maybe a pass that's only accessible to a 6-7 tight end in the back part of the end zone is what I see from Cole Turner. Now, is he a little bit raw with his route running? Sure. Is he raw with his blocking? Absolutely. Are you going to have to work around that? Yes. Uh, but that's what, you know, Juan Castillo, I think it's interesting. Juan Castillo is pretty energetic. I don't know, Anthony, if you you know, know anything about him. I, I didn't know what to expect because I know he's been around the NFL, but compared to Pete Hayner, who was their you know, tight end coach for the first two years, that that dude was a hard ass. But he was but he was also, you know, energetic, but he was a hard he was a strict disciplinarian. This guy, Castillo, seems to be a little bit looser and, and still yet energetic. And I think he's got a bunch of young lions out there. Samus Reyes and Curtis Hodges might be a name that you guys want to keep an eye on. Your listeners might keep an eye on undrafted out of Arizona State. He's a willing blocker. I'm not going to tell you he's a great blocker by any means, but he is willing as you know what. He is feisty. Uh, he is, again, willing, and he's about 6'8". And I, I've also seen him do the same thing that I just described with um, uh, with Cole Turner. Back of the end zone, back line, go up, get one. Again, using his height, using his frame. Again, he's raw. I don't know if he makes the roster. I, I think it really depends on you know a couple of different factors. I would expect maybe practice squad out of him, but that's somebody you want to keep an eye on in the preseason and maybe, maybe, maybe as a contributor uh, down the line. Anthony did a really awesome video about being an undrafted free agent and what that takes. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I, I was curious, you know, you mentioned Hodges. Is there a guy on defense? Are there a couple other guys that we are not, you know, we don't know their name right now, but we might know it come, you know, preseason time and especially when roster cutdowns come. Yeah, I mean, and and what Anthony, you know, what Anthony did again in his career, is, you know, was so fun to cover. I can just tell you, you know, Brian, for me, um, love it. You know, I, I mean, you know, I mean, you know this. What a great dude, number one. Um, you know, always a smile on his face. You know, always approachable, whatever. But worked his ass off. Uh, and you know, listen. He played for Mike and Kyle Shanahan, right? And put up, you know, put up some numbers and put up some production and was, you know, I, I know things weren't always easy on that offense and there was a lot of drama around, but he cut through a bunch of it. So, you know, really, really, really good story. Uh, you know, a perseverance and hard work and, and effort and hustle and all that good stuff. And, you know, Curtis Hodges might be that one guy on offense, right? Um, I, I'll give you a guy that maybe wasn't 
undrafted. Uh, he was drafted, uh, but just a year ago, Derek Forrest might be a guy that is going to open up some eyes, I think, in this preseason and already has a training camp for those that have been out there and those that listen to the coaches and whatever. Defoe, as they like to call him, fifth-round pick, Cincinnati, really a core special teamer, was injured to start last year, really kind of slow to develop. But I think there's an opportunity. I think there's a big-time opportunity with you know what happened to DeShazer Everett. The fact that Troy Apke has never developed at safety or really anywhere other than special teams. Defoe is a guy that I think is going to be part of this feisty, aggressive secondary. I think he's going to be, you know, ultimately a part of the mix back there. I don't know if you'll see him. You know, he won't start. That's Cam Curl and Bobby McCain. But he could play that Buffalo nickel position. And he could play more as the season goes along. Um, So that's a guy that I think fans should keep an eye on and. I mentioned the seventh round pick Holmes out of Oklahoma state mm-hmm. may, you know, I might like him more. Uh, let me say how to, how to say this. I might like him more than others. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm hoping for something that won't be there when the lights turn on for real. And, and again, Anthony can speak to this, right? There's guys that ball out during May and August and, and the preseason even. And then when the lights turn on for real, they just go poof. I don't know if that will be the case, but I liked him in the draft. I liked how physical he was. I like that he's a man press corner. Uh, he likes, uh, he can run with people, but he's also got physicality. I like him more if this defense and this coverage and this secondary commits more to man coverage as opposed to the zone that they had to play more of last year, which is, I think, opposite of what they wanted to do. Uh, We'll have to see how that kind of plays out. But that's a guy uh, also that I think could be an August baller, if you will. All right, man. I swear you're looking at my notes because (laughs) – I mean, I'm all all that stuff talking about for preseason games and undrafted free agents. That stuff's all in my notes. We'll, we'll be hitting on those things a little bit later. Yeah, man. Capitalize, you know, with, when we got WrestleMania on the, on the phone here. Uh, let's see here. What, what what was next, Brian? I got so many things kind of jumped around a lot. Oh, defenses on defense linebacker position. Recently, you heard heard some uh, good words from Ron Rivera. He was touching on Jamin Davis, Cole Holcomb. Yep. Uh, Holcomb. I'm sorry. Uh, he was saying that, that, that Jamin's kind of catching on a little bit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you think he's going to develop, you know, be able to really make an impact this year? Uh, I, I have higher hopes for him this year than most do. Um, Ron's going to always, for the most part, you know, patronize his guys a little bit. You know how that game works. I, do, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if they – think he's going to be a stud near two or ever after year one. But remember, he was forced and asked to to learn the mic position. And with that comes all the football normal transition stuff, but also basically being the quarterback of the defense. I thought that was a lot to put on a rookie. I was surprised. And I said this at the time that they did that, especially, you know, to start last offseason when he was a rookie with, you know, with John Bostic and Cole Holcomb. Uh, and Bostic was healthy at the time. And I know Bostic's Bostic. I got it. I understand. But I mean, you know, I was surprised that they tried to force feed him like that in his rookie season. That being said, 
I'd be a fool. And I think anybody would be a fool to say, you know, look, there weren't six or seven plays where Cole, um, where, where um, Jamin Davis didn't pop and didn't sizzle a little bit. Right. And, And I can name a whole bunch of them just off the top of my head. Now that's a, there's a big difference between six or seven standout plays and being a consistent, really good productive linebacker for let's just call it even five or 600 snaps. So that's the progress that he's got to make this year. And guys, I don't know if he makes it fully this year, if he makes it permanently or he makes it ever, I think he will be much more productive, much more consistent, much more noticeable this year. I think freeing him up from being the Mike, uh, which they had to do somewhat earlier last year will help. I think the fact that they're not going to ask him to play 900 snaps is going to help because this team is going to be in a lot of five, one, five. This team is going to be in a lot of four, two, five. Uh, you know, the Buffalo nickels, obviously going to be a big, 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 big part of that. And that might help a guy like Jamin Davis. Cause he doesn't have to fly around and do everything and, and rush off the edge and, and clean up everything off the perimeter and all that stuff. So I do think Jamin Davis is going to be a, a, a good mix. Now, I don't know what they're going to do in terms of the overall position group, because they don't have a lot of talent, you know, like Khalid Hudson's there and he's fine. And he's okay. Uh, David Mayo's fine and he's okay. Cole Holcomb is, I think, a legitimate player more than just okay. He's not a stud, but what happens if he gets injured? Well, then you're pretty much screwed, right? Uh, Number one, not in terms of nobody knowing the defense. They know the defense, but in terms of playmaking and range and coverage and all of that stuff, I really think they should bring in a veteran linebacker. I was surprised after initial rumors that they weren't more in on Anthony Barr. Mm -hmm. It turned out that the Broncos and the Cowboys and the Cowboys signed them were in on on Barr, but not really the commanders as much. And Ron said, you know, like, look, we're going to take a week or so to evaluate and kind of figure it out. Well, you know, listen, they're taking a big chance if they don't add a veteran with some range to this mix. They're, They're just taking a big chance. Yeah, I, I could feel it. If I'm looking at it this way, I'll say, okay, hey, look, let's give these two guys. I think Holcomb's a lock. I think I, I like him as a player. Hell, I had him on my fantasy football team. Like he was very consistent. He makes plays. He shows up. Um, it's, it's Davis is, I think, is the wild card, and, and you kind of have to give him as many live reps as possible. And so Saturday, like that's when it's going to be some unscripted period. That's when some real balls going to show up. Um, so I think they want to give him as many live reps as possible mm-hmm. um, before you jump and go grab a vet. Because if you go and grab that vet, it's going to be about let's get you in quickly, let's get you acclimated yep. to making the calls, and then those reps are going to be gone. And right. yeah, if you if you get the right guy, uh, he's ready. You know, he's gonna that that guy is already in shape. You know, he's working out every day. He's, when he steps in, it's not going to be a, a, hey, we got to spend a week for him to get in shape. Um, so whoever they add, I, I would I would I would assume they would add him. I'm, I'm in agreement with you on that. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be like a Joe Schobert or a Dante Hightower or somebody like that. Again, now that Bar is gone, um, you know, there's some other guys out there. Uh, and, and and maybe you just wait until, like you said, Anthony, to give as many reps to the young bucks as they can. Uh, maybe you just wait until you know the the cut down to 53. You know, a lot of times. You know, veterans are released even before the final cut down to 53 when teams know they're going to go in a different direction. 
so to give them an opportunity to catch on. So maybe you might be able to get a guy a little bit earlier than the actual cut down to 53, which is usually like eight days before the regular season opener, that type of thing. Um, you know, so maybe that's when it happens. I- ideally, I would like to, it to happen a little bit earlier. But, you know, listen, I'm going to I'm just going to I'm going to say they can scheme around it by doing, again, more four two five more five one five, which we saw last year. Right. And, and, and when I say five one five, I mean, you know, five defensive linemen with Fenary and Mathis, Jonathan Allen and 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 um, and and. and um, uh, Deron Payne in, in the interior, you know, and then, of course, Montez Sweat. And then at some point, Chase Young, <laughs> you know, for now, it'll probably be a mix of Casey Tuhill and James Smith Williams and maybe a little Shaka Tony. We'll see. But but I think they'll I think they'll more scheme around their deficiency at linebacker than just sign any guy off the street. I love to hear that. I'm glad you brought up. Chase Young, a guy that, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to see eventually. Another guy that I'm looking forward to see more often than, than we did last year, Curtis Samuel. What are your thoughts on him? Sounds like he finally put together a solid practice today. What can we expect from number 10, if anything, this coming year? Well, I think you can expect a lot if he can stay on the field. But that's that's an enormous if. And I don't have the answer to that because all here's what I know. Last year was a medical disaster, no matter which way they want to label it and color it and whatever. It was a medical disaster. Uh, The way they handled it, the way they butchered it, the way they didn't do certain things. Right. This year, they say they've learned. But, you know, I was talking about this on my radio show uh, on, I guess it was Wednesday morning when Curtis, you know, was actually out there for the first time. in, I think it was like four days with, in terms of team periods. And we don't know, you know, as we're recording this, obviously we don't know if he's going to practice Thursday, Friday, uh, Thursday is mm-hmm. kind of like a walkthrough uh, Friday will be like a, a more regular practice. And then Saturday they'll have the big fan event at FedEx field. If we get through, if we get Curtis Samuel on the field, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, And if Curtis Samuel is doing Curtis Samuel things, then I can maybe start to take a deep breath until then guys, you know, I haven't seen him practice three days in a row. I just haven't, you know, I mean, he's, he's been a day here and then all for three days and then maybe two days here and all for four days. And, you know, so I know they're trying to be careful with him. The sense that I have is, you know, they keep talking about wanting to ramp him up and, I don't know. It, it didn't seem like to me they went from zero to 100 by taking progressive steps with him to start camp. It seems like they went from zero to 100 first and then throttled him down back to 20, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. You, you know, and, and now we're in this weird phase of they keep saying, no, 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 no. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. And, you know, um, again, I don't know if he's absolutely fine. You know, I, I, I if he's, if he's okay, if he's healthy, he will be a big part of this offense. I, I can uh, agree with that as well. Because just simply because Carson, I'm looking at his, his stats, Carson Wentz, is, he does a pretty good job of spreading the ball around. You know, you may not have one guy that just goes for 1,500 yards, but you get like a 700 here, 800 here, a 500 here. I could see that I could see him dispersing the ball equally and then uh, that give, him, give Curtis enough time to actually have some action. Uh, and, and play on the right. field, but I was saying like this: It's like when you go out to eat, Chris. 
you know you got a nice entree coming up. You do not want to fill up on chips and salsa. All right. I wouldn't fall. Don't yes, I want to see him Curtis Samuel go more than two days in a row. And I can see him, you know, the say he goes Thursday, Friday. Saturday he's only gonna be on a limited amount of reps anyways. So that would be great to see him go those three days, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put the trust in in the in the football people over there that they that they know what they're gonna do and slowly kind of build him up because if he gets hurt like in preseason, everybody's gonna be tearing him a new one. So they don't want to get in that problem. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I mean, Anthony, you would know better than me, and they would know better than me. I would just say, you know, there were so many, like they rushed the process, not during training camp last year, but in the regular season, week four against Atlanta, they could not wait to get him back on the field. They were so like gung-ho and, oh my God, we got to get this weapon that we spend a lot of money on. He's really going to make a difference in our offense. And they were one and two, so they were a little bit desperate for that spark. And he gave it to them, Mm -hmm. but he played too much. And then the next week against New Orleans, he was not the same. And he had to be, you know, he did play, but he had to be throttled back. And then he was never really the same. After that, there was the whole Ron Rivera lashing out at the media for asking about surgery, this, that. And eventually he had surgery. Now it's knee, now it's uh, back and hamstring tightness, but not the groin, right? And Uh, You know, again, there's a lot of weird things here and I'm not a doctor and I'm not a kinesiologist and I'm not an athlete. You know, I I remember, you know, you were banged up right in 2012 in camp. Right. And we were all kind of like, right. I I don't remember exactly what it was, but I I mean, you know, you have to be patient sometimes. And sometimes it costs you the opportunity to be out there. But the best thing for the body, the best thing for the player and ultimately the best thing maybe for the team is for you not to be out there and for you to try your best to get as close to 100% as you can. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, it was an explosive player like, you know, Samuel, Curtis Samuel there. He, if he's not full to go, then it doesn't really do you that good. I, right. I, I pulled hamstrings a couple of times, and I remember Mike Shanahan saying, can you run? I'm like, not at full speed. Right. And I can run, but it's, it's just not going to be as effective. I won't affect the off the, the defense as much as, as you want. You know, right. so um, it, it's unfortunate part of the game, but you know, I, I'm not a doctor as well. But man, hearing hearing the the things that are bothering him, I'm like, man, he, he might need to see a chiropractor. So I'm, I'm not a doctor, not giving right. any medical advice, <laughs> but there's there's some things because I have I get the same thing. Hamstring is tight now. You got to go and do some yoga and some stretching and activate some other muscles so that they can take over some of the load. Um, but oh, let me get out. Yeah. Let me take off that hat. I'm not going to play that game. So, so a, a guy we haven't even in, talked about, you know, if Curtis Samuel is not available, which we, I think all three of us hope he is, but their, their rookie, Jahan Dotson, I hope that he is playing a big part in this offense and can maybe kind of fill in some gaps until Samuel's full go. What have you seen from, from the rookie so far, Chris? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have not been able to watch him more than just the one day. And, you know, I mean, look, uh, and through OTAs and and whatever and and mini camp, I mean, look, he looks the part. Uh, he's diminutive, but he plays bigger. If that makes sense, um, you know, uh, Anthony, you remember in in 2012, and you, you didn't get to play for you know with him or be around him maybe for long, but you know they signed Garcon, right? Garcon was this big addition. And Garcon was, you know, this kind of unheralded guy coming from Indianapolis and Mount Union and Division Three and whatever. 
And Pierre was like, I don't know, six foot, maybe 215. But to me, he always seemed, and I, I, I would tell him this, he always seemed to play about 6'2 and maybe about 225, right? Like he oh, yeah. played bigger than his listed size, weight, whatever. I think Jahan Dotson is going to play bigger than his frame or his measurables or whatever because – a, he does truly have, I, I believe, a good catch radius, if not a really good catch radius. Um, he can make catches that smaller, maybe more diminutive guys can't make. And then the biggest thing I would say from him overall, we know he's got the speed, but guys, the fact that he can line up in the slot and outside and you don't know really where these guys are going to be, maybe from play to play, series to series, game to game, assuming that, again, everybody's reasonably healthy, and that's a big assumption. You know, the fact that they can line him up three by one with the three receivers stacked one, one, one right next to each other, left through right, you know, and maybe a big tight end on the other side, be it Logan when he's healthy or Cole Turner or somebody like that. The fact that they can hide Jahan Dotson or mix and match and throw in so many different looks because Curtis can play inside and out. Um, um, I know Terry has and can play inside and out. You know, they're going to be able to cook some things up, um, especially like against certain coverages. And and I, I think you'll see a lot of that three by one formation that I just kind of mentioned. And I think that's probably going to be where maybe you notice Jahan a little bit more because he's going to be really, really tough to zero in on if they come out and again, say it's, you know, Terry, Diami, and Jahan in some package or form lined up and they can, again, mix and match, or Curtis Samuel as part of that group. Well, which one, you know, do you play man? Do you play zone? Do you play cloud? Do you, you know, what do you do? And who do you take and who do you focus on? That's a lot for a defense to figure out in a very short amount of time. So I would say look for Jahan, in my opinion, to be really good from that look and then you know, of course, you could use him in different ways as a traditional receiver again, split out wide or from the slot as well. I love it. I love it. Thank you very much, Chris. So we're gonna let you roll, man. I know you got some other other important you know matters to take care of. Who did Juan Soto give me a phone call? Yeah, man. Juan Soto getting traded has dominated my world the last couple of days. But uh, yeah, um, you know, I appreciate you guys having me and uh, uh, anytime, and and I appreciate you guys. Um, you know, being kind and, and Anthony, you know what I think of, uh, of you and your family and, and, you know, glad we can uh, reconnect a little bit on, uh, on video. I know we talked on the phone a couple of times recently, but uh, all my best to you guys. And Brian, thank you so much. I appreciate you and, and good luck to you guys and, and, and your listeners, I'm sure benefit from, uh, uh, you know, from the content you guys are cranking out. Thanks awesome. so much, Chris. Appreciate it, Chris. Appreciate you guys. Thanks again to Chris for joining us. What what an awesome guy. You obviously have a great relationship with him, and he's just so fun to talk to. I feel like we could have gone on for hours if, if he would have let us. Man, I, I tell you when, you, when you get to bring on the people that used to interview you, um, I've, I've said this time and time again, my whole career has it's been a blur. I, I think I feel like now I'm finally kind of sitting back, looking at it from a different viewpoint. I'm like, wow, that was kind of cool. Yeah. I was just – Every time in it, I was I was so appreciative that you know anybody that would put a microphone in front of my face, um, and they actually cared about what I had to say about some stuff. I was just a kid from Carrollton that was just trying to play ball, man. So appreciate well, Chris, man. Big sexy. 
<laughs> there we go. I mean, yeah, I, I wasn't kidding. I could sit back and just listen to you guys talk about stories. That's how big of a fan I am. I just love hearing the ins and outs. And so I, I kind of mentioned it when we were talking to Chris that you put out an awesome video about kind of your it kind of alludes to your journey as an undrafted free agent and the the the, the process that it took you to, to get there. And you put out a good video about what some of these guys can do, especially in training camp in the, in the preseason. I thought it would be kind of cool for you to expound on that a little bit because you lived it and, and you made it happen. And we know it's a long shot, but if you do the right things and, and you work the right way, uh, you never know what can happen. So I, I love your story, like Chris was saying, and I, I would love for you to kind of share more about that. And especially what some of these kind of, fringe roster guys can do over these next few weeks to to make a name for themselves absolutely you know coming in undrafted free agent i was you know way different than other cats i was older most cats are you know 21 22 undrafted free agents i'm three years past my draft <laughs> coming in right. you know showing up to places so I, I had played pro ball before but um i said i said in previous episodes first thing i did was you know reach out to the special teams coach uh, and, and when you think of guys that are the fourth and fifth receivers, when you think of those fourth and fifth corners, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you all this much. They are not always the best. Like if you have to go, if you have to compare receiver to receiver, those are the guys where the, 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 the people that make the decision are looking and saying, how can they help our team? If you look over and one guy is strictly a receiver and they don't, they can't do anything else they're probably going to get cut for the guy that can do a little bit more. Right. Right. Um, so like my first thing I had my three tips for just undrafted free agents. And the first one was to find a spot on special teams, find a spot on special teams. Great Danny Smith. Uh, he's now, he's, he's been with the Steelers for a while, but the great Danny Smith used to say, he's like, yeah, I, I want to be the head coach. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Right. He's like, I want to be the starting quarterback. It ain't going to happen. There's 32 starting quarters. There's only so many starting players, so you have to find another way to make an impact. My first time in the building, uh, I went and approached Danny, and I said, whatever you need me to do, let me know. All right, cover kicks, hold kicks. I'll punt the daggum ball if you need me to. <laughs> um, I mean, I had never returned punts, but I was out there every single day before practice catching punts. Just in the instance where it was like 15 people fell over, and they were like, Armstrong, we need you at least fair catch it. I wanted to be ready to do that. So right. making yourself available on special teams is huge. Um, I, mean, I gave the comparison of, of Matthew Slater. The guy is, plays, he plays receiver for the Patriots. Yep. But if you look at his statistics, he has one career reception. He has one more career reception than you do, Brian Murphy. Right. <laughs> um, but he has, he has three Super Bowls. He's been a pro bowler multiple times. Um, he's been AP first team. I mean, he's, had a storybook career absolutely uh, and and uh, to play quote unquote receiver and have one catch i mean he's found a niche he's one of the best special teams in the league that's a way that you can make an impact yeah um, i was gonna say you, you talked about uh having to to go up against mike sellers on special teams and i just we, we talked about jersey numbers i think it's so funny sometimes when you watch a kickoff return or uh, a punt return and all the different jersey numbers you see out there so you're wearing 13 he's wearing 45 i think matthew slater's an 18 you see some of the the kind of uh 
not the most popular jersey numbers out there on special teams, but then those are the guys that make a play that can change a game. And, you know, from a fan's perspective, you get to know that guy like, oh, that guy's always flying down the field making a play. That's the name you remember. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of just great, great special teams players. And when those names pop up uh, in special teams meetings uh, and you start hearing chatter around the room, uh, like one one name, I think his, I think his real name is like Ross Ventrum. Uh, but his name is Bubba, Bubba Ventrone. And they're like, okay. oh, yeah, you got to watch out. And I, I want to say he's coaching now, maybe for the Jets. Um, but he was a guy where they're like, yeah, you just got to watch out where he, watch where he's at. Uh, Lorenzo Alexander, great, great mm-hmm. you know, Washington uh, player. I mean, that guy's played probably like uh, nine out of the uh, nine positions. He's played everywhere from O-line to fullback to linebacker to D. Right. He's played it all. Uh, and covers kicks. So, um, you you can really find yourself a home if you can get on some special teams. Not saying that's where you just set your goals. I just want to be on special teams. Uh, that's where you can get your start because if you start making plays on special teams, they will eventually start finding ways to get the ball to you on offense or on defense. So that's a big one. Um, my second one, the, Jason Witten told me this uh, later on in my years, but he just said, hey, just keep making a play every day. Make a play every day. And most of the time, people may think touchdowns, right? You know, touchdowns or just big runs or something. Sometimes it's, it's the fact that you've been hustling and you, and you knocked out a ball. You know, you, you forced a fumble. Uh, mm-hmm. You got a big pass breakup when y'all went into a, you know, a team period. Just continually making a play, showing up on tape. You have to make these coaches, you know, believe that what you're doing is a real thing. You know, I mean, it is what it is. You're going to assume most people that are undrafted or, you know, small town, small team, team, a small team guy, they're not going to really amount to much. This is the draft picks that people, you know, put for a lot of love into. Uh, but whenever you're like, man, this, this 13 is just always getting behind defenses. It's just always doing something. Um, making a play every single day is huge and you can do it on special teams as well right you can do it as a do it on special teams as well uh, you're going to earn more opportunities like i said um and just just be consistent keep chopping wood keep showing up don't make don't make the same mistake twice it, it, it's not fair <laughs> uh it, it is not fair but you know what you can you can you can get past a lot of things my last one this is the this is the one that people they don't think much about, but you got to be available. You have to be available. Best ability. Best ability, right? It's like you can't make the club if you're in the tub. Um, <laughs> if, if, even though my my biggest biggest uh, bit of advice was to use the cold tub as a recovery, um, just to get your body back as close to 100 percent as possible. Everybody's gonna be tired. But we were just talking earlier that, you know, Curtis Samuel is working a couple of days and then he's off for a couple of days. That's, that's not a problem. You got to do what you have to do to, to make sure that um, he's going to be healthy and ready to go for the regular season. But think about those receivers like Cam Sims. Think about De'Ami Brown. Think about Jahan Dotson. They're getting extra reps now, you know, and, and who's to say that they won't find their way to catch a pass and they can make a play. And now the coaches are going to be like, well, hold on a second. We can put Dami in this position here, and he's doing this, and he can cover kicks. It's like a jigsaw puzzle, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you have to find your way onto the team somehow. 
Um, uh, mine was knowing every single receiver position and knowing the offense inside and out to where if they said, we need you to go play Gator, I got you. You need me to play X, I got you. You need me to play Z, I got you. I can do all of it. So you can't, you can't take me off the field, you know? So be available, be available, be available. It's gonna be your biggest, biggest asset. It's just, you know, what, when they look over and they're like, who can we put in? And it's like, put in Brian, put in Murphy. That's right. Be ready to go. <laughs> you gotta be ready to go, B, you gotta be ready. <laughs> Best ability is availability. So uh, you heard it from a guy that did it. And so I think that that is so cool. And uh, all those traits, I, I mean, I think they apply to to not just the undrafted guy, but, you know, even the studs. Like, I think it's easy for a guy that thinks he's got his position on lockdown, like you said, to not be around for a practice or two or not be around for a game or two. And a guy comes in and replaces him and does a really good job. I mean, we look at what Tom Brady did. All Drew Bledsoe did was get hurt. That's that's not his fault, but you know you got to step in and, and take advantage of the opportunity that's in front of you, and you never know what can come from it. It is the truth. It's hell. Hell, that's how I got cut. I got hurt in 2012, mm. and then you saw Algic Robinson. Robinson had a hell of a game against the uh, the Bears, and then uh, what, 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 what was it? What was the young man's name from Kansas? Desmond Briscoe, he had a couple mm -hmm. of good games. Mm -hmm. So, like, there was, you know, guys that, that stepped up to the plate whenever right. I was out. You know, those were, you know, some of those plays, maybe I wasn't going to get the ball, but I was going to be on the field and I was going to be available, but I wasn't. So, um, it, it cuts both ways. You have to really make sure you're out there. Obviously, if you're not able to go, I mean, you can't go, but, right. you know, don't, don't, don't take it for granted. Right. Yep. Don't take it for granted because all it takes is like you take a playoff and then the ball is supposed to go your way and then they're cutting you. And you're like, what happened? It's like, well, you're, you're, you're not working hard on the backside. It's just yeah. it's little stuff like that, that that people take for granted. Um, hell, I think it I think it kind of goes outside of football, too. It goes Absolutely. out to just the regular regular world where they're like, well, that's not my job. And it's like, you know what? Well, what if you treat it like it was? Yep. Just, just what if you did? You know what I mean? Like, I don't get paid for that. But like, hey, I don't get paid. I'm on the backside of a run. I'm on the backside of a pass play. Um, and this, and this goes way back to me, you know, saying how Carson will just start to play ball, right? Mm -hmm. I've told the story time and time again. Rex Grossman will, will look you in the eye, and he'll call a play in your backside, and you're like, I'm not supposed to get the ball, and he's looking right at you in your face, like, hey, dude, you know, and you're like, oh. <laughs> Oh, Wait, maybe I am. He's gonna throw me the ball. Let me, you know, let me work. Um, and it's been notorious. I, I think I've heard stories of Tom Brady. Every time he breaks a huddle, he'll tell one receiver, "Hey, be ready." And he'll be the backside receiver. Let's say three by one set. The backside receiver. He may have. A, a, he just has. He's just running a route, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And then you come out the huddle. Hey, be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Well, and eventually. Like it loves you to sleep. Go ahead. Well, it's like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in, in the win against the, the Bills in the playoffs on that last drive to tie it. I think they talked about how th they just kind of looked at each other and they were like, all right, run it this way. And, and it's just kind of like you said, it's sometimes it's as simple as just drawing it up in the sand, like you're playing in the sandbox. So it kind of yeah. takes that, that, you know, just because you're, you know, this play is not meant to go to you doesn't mean you can't not be ready. You're out there, and if you're out there, you got to be ready no matter what. 100%. I mean, the ball, 
uh, I, I told a story of, of training this uh, one young receiver, and I said, look, if you run the wrong route, you're going to get the ball. Right. It just it's just weird how it happens. And his dad called me. He's like, man, I tell you, yeah, Landon was out there. And he he was running, and he got a touchdown the other day. Or he had a he had a first down and a pretty big catch. I was like, did he run the wrong route? And he was like, he actually did run the wrong route. <laughs> um, but he's but he made the play. You know. Right. So like then now now coach is like, okay, look, you ran the wrong route. We, we the other stuff is great, but let's get you to do the right thing first. Um, I don't know. It, training camp, training camp is, is such a is such a special time, especially especially when you put the pads on. That's right. I think that's a major that's a major turning point for a lot of people, um, because essentially the whole off season, especially if you could talk about an undrafted guy or even a rookie, just a, a, a drafted rookie, you want to see how these guys transition. The word is how does it carry over? Mm-hmm. You know. You see the stuff at the combine and the pro days are in, in, in shorts and, and not very much clothing and they're really fast and they're crisp and everything looks good. Well, how do they look whenever they put on helmet? They want to mm-hmm. see how that transitions to OTX. How does that transition carry over to training camp? And now how does it carry over to wearing pads? Right. And here here in about a week and even Thursday for, for the Hall of Fame game, how does it carry over whenever you have live competition? That those are the major milestone points. Yeah. As a fan, that's what it seems like. It's like, all right, this guy, he seems like he's saying the right things that he understands what he's doing. How does he put it in action? So he puts it in action in OTAs. Like you said, they're doing walkthroughs. It's kind of vanilla. Like you said, they have the jerseys on, but, but not much else. And then it's like, once you start seeing those pads and you see the videos and you hear the videos where things are, you know, the pads are popping, you're like, okay, Now what is this guy doing? And you start to see guys that are still standing out even when the contact comes. And you're right. Then it's like, okay, now it's game time. Even if it's just the preseason, quote unquote, just the preseason. These are these are the times when it matters. And, you know, if a guy can't do it in a preseason game where it where it quote unquote doesn't count, you know, how can I how can I expect him to do it when it does count? So it does seem like it's just like you know, you got to get through one stage. And once you once you get through that, you got to get to the next stage. And it's just like the pads are, are just like kind of like the opening of the of this next stage where it's getting really real. It definitely is. And and there's a couple of things that I think about. Number one, let's say quarterback and receiver relationships. Um, Carson Wentz is he's going to have to be extremely accurate. He's going to have to work on that accuracy. You have to assume that you're going to have DBs that are handsy, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to be pulling receivers and trying to limit the amount of separation that is made. He, he's used to bigger receivers. Alshon Jeffrey, 6'2", 6'3", 6'5", Zach Ertz. Mm-hmm. Now you're working with, you know, six-footer, 5'11", 5'11". So you're working with smaller people. I mean, you know, Washington folks, y'all know, y'all call them Smurfs, right? So we're working <laughs> with smaller receivers, which is going to mean a tighter catch radius. Um, if you're working with guys like Mike Evans and, you know, Big receivers, you you have a little bit more room to miss. Uh, so looking looking to see what his accuracy looks like when the pads come on, and that that may seem odd uh, because he's not getting hit, but he still has to be able to operate and put the ball in tight spaces. Um, how those receivers get off uh, on press, you know, have to deal with it. So they have to deal with that as well. Uh, we spoke about those young tight ends. You know, mm-hmm. you, you want to be a willing blocker. Now you have somebody that can run full speed at you. Uh, and they don't have to pull up because you only have on the move. 
you know, a little, a little extra guardian caps. Yeah. Yeah. A guardian cap. Right. So it, and you don't have them on shelves. So you actually have them on pads. Um, it, it, it separates the wheat from the shaft. It really does. Yeah. A guy that I don't think we've really talked about at all is Fedarian Mathis. And I, I, I don't, think we've talked about him because you can't really see what he does until he puts on the pads right like you can't see a space eater until he's actually eating space and hitting the offensive lineman so that's what that's what I get excited for I'm like okay so we saw that these guys were winning these one-on-one drills whatever it may be but when they're able to actually kind of get physical what does it look like then that's that's kind of what I I get excited for, and I'm with you. I've, I've seen some clips of, you know, a receiver running a nice route and then the ball is a little behind him. And I'm like that, that, that looked like a pretty sweet catch, but I, I just imagine a guy getting popped because it was behind him because then there's a 250 pound guy flying at him with, with, you know, a helmet on and all that. So that's what I like to, I I'm with you, like seeing the pads. I'm like, okay, this is, you know, they got to be a little bit more crisp with all that they do. It, it's the truth. Um, uh, when you look at, I think I think the running game is going to really, you know, start to show itself. Mm-hmm. And I think the offense has the ability to catch up. Yeah, you know, especially on Saturday. You know, Chris kind of Chris kind of like brushed off. He's like, oh, it's just you know a little fan invite. You know, Saturday. That's when you're going to start to see more real football. There's going to be some unscripted periods in there. It'll be controlled, yes, but they're like, you're not going to be able to look over your shoulder and the coach is right there to tell you the mm-hmm. route or to, you know what I mean? Or tell you who to block. They're going to be on the sideline. They're going to be further away. And they're going to let you get out there and, and they're going to let you, they're going to see, do you know right. what you're doing? Can you operate in this environment? There's like, there's, Hey, there's a few hundred fans here, maybe a couple thousand fans here. You know, if people show up in, in, in a good amount, but you got to imagine on, on Sunday, it's going to be 90,000. Right, eighty thousand people. If, if if you can't execute on this on this Saturday practice, then we're gonna have to reevaluate some things. But then on the flip side, if you can execute, then it's like, hold on, let's get this guy some more opportunities. Let's see what he does if we put him in this. Let's see what he does if we put him in these other situations. Um, so that's that is definitely the biggest thing uh, when those pads come on because there's gonna be injuries that are gonna happen. Right. Um, going back to being available, you got to be able to show up. You got to be able to execute, and it's it's a real mental game too, because you know you got to get out there. Groundhog Day is about to show up. Not the not the yeah. Not, not the, you not you the mentioned this already. Yeah, day. yeah, yeah. But once you get about a weekend, two weeks is it's literally about 10, 10 days to fourteen days inside of camp. That's when that's when Groundhog Day shows up. Like the fans aren't allowed at camp. There's not that much attendance. Um, so it's just a quiet walk down to the field and you're like, I've been hitting these same people and they know my mood. I know their yeah. moods. They give and, you one more shoulder than, than, yeah. than you're used to. Yeah. yeah. You just, you like, you know what? I wish somebody would today is the day <laughs> I'm going to fight. And, and I've had that conversation with myself. I might fight somebody today. I might, and then I don't ever end up fighting because I'm like, I, I don't want to do that. It's, I'd be too tired, uh, if I wasted my energy on that, but. Right. Groundhog Day is showing up, and well, you got to get physical. Yeah, we see the the training camp fights all the time, and I, it made sense once you said that. Like, yeah, you're hitting the same guys over and over. You know exactly what they're gonna do. You know their tendencies, and 
uh, you get you get sick of it. So, uh, but I just love the sound of of pads popping, and and I just know that you know, like we said, the Hall of Fame game is coming right up. Uh, that means other preseason games are coming up, which means we are just a few weeks away from the real, real deal. Um, man, I'm, I'm getting excited. I, it's hard. It's getting hard. It's like Christmas is coming up. You know, it's coming. You know that there's there's something big under the tree and that's the football season for me. So I, I'm getting excited. I know, I know you are. And so it, it's fun to, to talk about it, but I can't wait till we're watching the real deal. Oh yeah. That I, I, I almost wish I could just watch the game. Um, on the all 22 version mm. and in silence with the little uh, little cowboy uh, cowboy remote or whatever they call it um, some people call it the clicker I do not like that word but <laughs> the cowboy it's it's the remote that's got that it plugs into the computer so they can control it and that's how coach will um, rewind everything from a right. distance um, I, I want to just watch the game like that like I, I think they got it on the red zone challenge or something. Mm-hmm. It it gets tough to just watch like with the quarterback only, and then he throws it. You don't know what happened, but somebody catches it. You know, everybody's yeah. like, "Oh yeah!" And I'm like, "Oh, I got to see everything. I want to yeah. see the whole field." Whew. I'm yeah. Chills. I'm yeah, we're getting chills. there. We're getting there. Uh, I can't wait. So thank you again to, to Chris Russell for, for joining us. And, and thank you as always, Anthony, always fun talking about it. We, we could keep talking all night, but I know that both of our wives would, would not appreciate that. And we've got other stuff to do as much as I want to sit here and keep talking about football, but thank you guys for checking us out. Thank you guys for listening in and uh, know that you can always uh, count on us to bring you the latest and greatest, whatever's going on. And, and we're going to, we're going to break it down and, this is just the beginning, so I'm excited. Football is around the corner. It's now August, which means it's almost September, which means cold weather and, and, and hitting in real football. So can't wait for it. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. All right, folks. You have a good one. Stay out of trouble. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.